Okay, so let me introduce our first speaker, Captain Marnie Nuns. Ca uh, Marnie currently works as a commercial pilot for EasyJet, flying the A320 series aircraft to a wide variety of European destinations. She started flying in 1994 whilst at university through the University Air Squadron. After completing her degrees in psychology at University of Bristol and Cranfield University, she applied to the airlines and successfully gained pilot sponsorship in 2000. Following pilot training with FT Gerrard, she converted onto the B737-400-500 with Aer Lingus. The following year, she joined Excel Airways flying the B737NG to mainly charter destinations. In 2006, Marnie moved to EasyJet as a direct entry senior first officer to fly the A320. By the end of 2007, she was promoted to captain and has for the last 10 years been enjoying the variety that EasyJet has to offer, being based both in Europe and London. Other roles she has undertaken during her flying career include crew resource management instructor, and when not flying, she's working with EasyJet on the Amy Johnson Flying Initiative. Over to Marnie. Good evening, everyone. Thank, I just want to say a quick thank you to everyone for actually uh, coming along this evening on a Friday night into London and tackling all the traffic. But also, it's delightful for me to be able to stand in front of an audience that actually want to be here. Normally, I get confronted with an audience that are pretty upset. It happens very rarely, an audience that are perhaps not in the right destination. So I get to stand in front of them at the front of the aircraft and explaining my best possible way why we're not where we should be. But So I am absolutely delighted that you all want to be here and that you all want to listen to me, so thank you very much. So that was a lovely introduction and actually sort of was quite a good uh, background to my career, but before we sort of go to my career, I actually wanted just to quickly touch on my sort of how I actually became inspired to be a pilot. I got asked yesterday when I did a school visit, how old were you when you wanted to be a pilot? And I was actually about 14 years old, possibly even a little bit younger. And uh, my father used to get on an aircraft and say, go and speak to the pilots, go and speak to the pilots, and go and see what they do. And it was a real inspiration, actually, for me. And I feel that that's slightly lost these days. So let's just see if we can all get together and try and get some of that back, some of that excitement back, especially with the closed flight deck door. So basically, my background and my sort of involvement in this project actually came from the fact... I've got to click here. There we go. Um, my inspiration for actually getting involved in this project was actually quite a strange way that it came about. Um, at the moment, uh, we ha I fly with quite a few women pilots, so for me it was nothing unusual, until one day I was actually in Zurich Airport in Switzerland, and um, I could hear one of my colleagues in the back saying, no, madam, honestly, it's fine, just go and take a seat, and I couldn't work out what was going on. And basically, I was flying with an excellent female colleague who was a senior first officer, eight years in the job. And I didn't think any more of it, so we pushed back, and uh, we were all getting stuck into what we had to do. And suddenly, I heard wailing from the forward galley. And I thought, what on earth is going on? So we put the brakes on and sort of, you know, got a little ding from the cabin. Marnie, no, this woman really isn't happy. What woman? What are you talking about? And they said, no, there's a woman back here who says this is not normal to see two women flying in the flight deck together. How can this be allowed? And I sort of went, uh, yeah, very funny, you know. But actually, she was deadly serious. And what was even more striking is when I invited her into the cockpit because I had to sort the situation out, she was my age. Of all, you know, that was really quite shocking to me. So after about 
five minutes of conversation explaining we all go through the same training we were all very experienced pilots i'd been in that job about uh, 15 years or 14 years at the time and my colleague had been there eight years so actually we were very experienced crew compared to you know somebody who's come out of training two or three years into the job we were actually a very experienced crew so i persuaded her that i would get her back to luton safely and that was a guarantee and then um, she said, OK, I'll fly with you on this occasion, but I would feel a lot happier if there was a man in the flight deck. And I said, I can guarantee you, EasyJet will support me on this. You can get off when you're on your own, or you can fly with us safely back, but we do not need a man in the flight deck. So it was quite shocking for me. Um, but the good thing is, she got off the aircraft and thanked me for getting her back to Luton safely. Now, I mentioned this story, and some people have said to me before, oh, gosh, do you have to tell that story? Well, I think it's a positive, because there's two things that came out of that for me. One is EasyJet were right behind me on that thought. I didn't have to ring anyone to say, what are your thoughts about this person saying that she doesn't want to fly with us because of our crew composition? And the other thing was, I'm determined to try and do something about this. And that's why, actually, Easy, I came together with EasyJet. EasyJet were already looking at this um, situation within their own airline, and it just so happened that we came together at the same time. And I'm lucky enough to actually be involved in trying to do something positive about it. So just out of interest, does anyone have any sort of figures that they might think how many, what percentage of female pilots there are in EasyJet at the moment? Yes? Are you cheating, Pauline? <laughs> Okay, that's fine. Can I ask the audience over this side? Do you, well, put it this way, my perception was, and I've been telling passengers for, for quite a few years actually, it's 10%, it must be well over 10%. But, yes, Pauline? The industry standard worldwide is 6%. Yeah, we. I know EasyJet is better. Well, believe it or not, we're actually at 5%, which is about the same in line as BA and some of the other European carriers at the moment. So. There we go. <laughs> well, I have to say. <laughs> oh, right, that's very good. Yes, it may be. So it is, it's a very interesting number, and I'll come to that in a little while as well, because there's research behind that regarding once you get into the airlines, what is a, a career progression for a woman like? And I'll come back to that in a minute. But yes, uh, it's about five points. I mean, I think if we were talking 50%, I'd be sitting here a lot happier. It won't happen like that, unfortunately. Um, but you never know. We can aim for that one day. Um, so basically, we're at about 5%. I have to say, as an airline, our AMB um, is actually extremely good. We've got a CEO who's female, a COO who's female, and 50% of our board are female. And that's quite unusual for any airline. So we've got a lot of support going on in our airline for basically making some positive changes in the way we do things. So this figure, I'm sure, is not new to you, that globally we're sitting at about 3%. Um, is anyone surprised by that? Please? <laughs> I, I was a bit shocked, because until this incident in Zurich, I hadn't actually realized what the actual percentages were. There's a couple of things, and I will come back to this particular statistic that I also question. But at the moment, this is the best information we have, which is that approximately 3% of the world's uh, commercial pilots are female. Um, there are different stats 
um, to, depending on which country you go to, but I think that's quite low. The other figure that comes out of this is about 450 of those pilots are actually captains, of which at the moment, and I appreciate that in your, in, I'm assuming it's British Airways, is it? That there is quite a high percentage of captains. At EasyJet, we have 50% um, of our female workforce are captains, bearing in mind that some of our, uh, as soon as they come up to be eligible, then they become captains if they pass the strict uh, recruitment or the strict criteria to become commanders. Um, some of our pilots who are just joining the business, who are in that 50% as first officers, will only have been in the job two years, and they are clearly not going to be in a position to be commanders at the current time. EasyJet command time is about six years, and it's not done on seniority lists. It's done on merit, which is quite unusual. Now, I would like to suggest that that 1960s statement is actually something that everyone should be quite surprised at and shocked at. And this particular data comes from a graph um, while I was researching this. It is the US Labor Department, but I do think it is representative of global figures. That is, that since the 1960s, very little has changed. If you have a look down at the bottom, that 4.3% 4 4 is actually not even commercial pilots. That's pilots for hire. Now, that could be anyone, including airline pilots to taxi pilots, um, but that's quite low. And as you can see, other professions have been significantly, um, had significant increases over the last um, 50 years, whereas pilots and aircraft mechanics have fallen behind significantly. Now, why is this? I ask the question. Well, from the 1945s up to about 1960, women were discouraged from going into the flight deck. After the war, during the war, they had a very prominent effect. They were about 14% of the air transport auxiliary, and they did an extremely good job flying extremely complex aircraft in very difficult scenarios. And they demonstrated they were good enough to do the job. They were good at the job, equal to their male colleagues. And they were rewarded with equal pay. Now, after the war, they were told they had to go back and not fly anymore because there weren't enough jobs going around and women should only fly in fair weather. Now, I have tried to promote this at EasyJet and they're just not having it. They expect us to fly in all weather. Um, but having said that, on a serious note, they were told they weren't good enough. So from the 1945 to the 1960s, there was effectively a negative effect on trying to get into the cockpit. And I would say, argue, from the 1960s, it became a neutral change. Nothing actually happened. Nothing positive was done to change that. There was a small positive change in the terms of there was the uh, feminist movement where women were encouraged to go out and do things. And we did start to see some of our first pilots in the 70s. So they would have had, they were the ones that were kind of born in the 60s era and would actually start filtering through in the 70s or in the late 70s. And this is um, actually taken in 2011. And I think Sadly, some of these figures are still the same from then. And the reason I say that is because at EasyJet, our figures have been hovering around 5, 5.5% for quite a few years now. But we had one of our very senior uh, female captains retire, and our percentage went down. It's like we can't all start doing that. So that just shows you how the balance is there. So without sort of going into too much detail, you can kind of get a feel for this. So even though the percentages are there, the real numbers are actually quite low. 4% for 32 is not very many, um, for example. It's a good percentage, but it's not very high numbers in real terms. Um, various airlines have tried various different ways of trying to promote the career, and um, that's something that I think we also need to look at. So how can we initiate change? Well, we can launch a scheme to attract women. 
Uh, we need to reach out to educational establishments because we're not just changing the way women or the people that we're trying to attract, we're not just trying to get them to look at the career. They need to be supported by people who are going to help them and not sort of say, what else do you want to do? If you want, okay, a pilot sounds like a lovely job, but what else do you want to do? Which is one of the comments that I had when I was at school. That's all very well, but what's your backup plan if you don't succeed? Um, and I think, yes, it's important to have a backup plan, but I also think it's important to encourage people and not to make them feel that it's a strange choice. So we need to reach out to educational establishments. They're the future. They have the young people. We also need to change public perception. We're not just dealing with young people now. We're also dealing with the people who help the funding for these young people. And what we have seen is that women may struggle potentially to actually get funding, um, are less likely to be backed by their parents or peers because it's not really a job meant for women or that is the public perception. So we need to really look at changing that. And we also need to gain support from our own pilot community. I would say, if I'm really honest, that our pilot community is extremely supportive. However, there are some in our pilot community who, rightly so, would say, well, it's, everything's fine, you know, everyone gets on with their job. Why do we need to change it? What, what, what's, the, what's the point in that? Why do we need to make an issue of it? Well, because we're not, nothing is changing. And unfortunately, when we live in the pilot environment, I don't know why everyone doesn't want to do my job. I love my job. And I, I, I really enjoy it, and I get a lot out of it. And as a woman, it doesn't make any difference to me. But clearly, I'm maybe not the right person to ask, because I'm already enjoying my job. We need to look at it from outside in. So we also need pilots to understand that there are issues. The stats tell us there are issues. Maybe there aren't in our day-to-day -day life, but there are clearly barriers which people from outside are facing to come in. Incidentally, research has shown that once a woman is in an airline, there is no glass ceiling to up to command, which I think is very significant. If you have the qualifications and you can do your job well and you pass the selection criteria to be a commander, there is no issue. Nothing will hold you back. And I think that's really important. So clearly, it's at the beginning and at the end. So hence, this is where we are now, the Amy Johnson Flying Initiative. So in January 2016, uh, the Secretary of State for Transport, Sir Patrick McGoughlin, came to Luton, and uh, he basically came and spoke to us and launched our Amy Johnson Flying Initiative Scheme with the help of the BWPA. And um, it has been extremely successful so far. In January, what the scheme was, we announced that we would try and double our intake from 6%, and the key here is doubling our intake. It's not about getting more women in the airline. Although this is a great side effect that we get more pilots to come to join our airline, we actually want to try and increase the numbers coming into the airline. And we wanted to increase it from 6% to 12% um, over two years. So that's the target we gave us. And actually, some people in the office said that was quite an ambitious target at the time. Um, by December 2016, not less than a year later, we were already saying we've already achieved our target. That actually was really straightforward. We did really, really well. We had a 30% increase in applications from women um, to go to the Amy Johnson Flying Initiative. We had over 600 applications for six places. That just gives you an idea. Now, what's interesting is the Amy Johnson Initiative is made up of um, loans that will be provided with guarantors, um, six loans, and then also 10 loans which are, are guaranteed for pilots, for experienced pilots to do type ratings. Now, 
uh, what was quite interesting was that um, pilots didn't necessarily just join this scheme. So although we had these 600 applications joining this scheme, they were actually, we, we chose the, if you like, the best ones to be given these opportunities, the MPL loan that's underwritten, and the other pilots were also offered opportunities of an equal nature. So it's not restricted to just six places. I think we took over 200 pilots last year to give you an idea made up of lots of different types of genders. <laughs> so the important thing to note, though, is that the Amy Johnson Flying Initiative requires you to pass the same um, strict recruitment criteria. There's no difference. If you are a pilot, no matter how you come into the airline, you must pass the same selection process. So this is about attracting positive attention for women. So as I said, we saw over 600 applications and we've met our target in one year. So this, wasn't, this is not where we're stopping. And this was, this was the best bit, I think. Um, I, we then got announced a new target, 20% by 2020. And um, we also named an aircraft in honor of the Amy Johnson Flying Initiative, and this was back in December. Um, I've got a video now, so you don't have to listen to me alone. And um, I'll let you listen to it. We're celebrating uh, the Amy Johnson Initiative, which is the initiative EasyJet has launched to get more female cadets into the airlines. EasyJet have reached their target, which they set last October, which was to actually try and double the female intake from 6 to 12%. So now we're trying to up that number to 20% by 2020. You knew that there were females who wanted to be pilots, but no one's ever done a scheme like this before, so no one actually knew what the results would be. To actually see that coming to fruition with the 33 girls that we've got this year, and then to increase that for next year, it's, it's fantastic. The school's initiatives are very important, and working with the Air Cadet Corps is very important. So to show girls that it is completely normal to see four stripes on a female uniform is a really important thing. At the moment we're looking at trying to ask our own pilots to volunteer to go into schools, provide role models for schools and that means that schools can actually approach us and find out what's involved in the career. The more it happens, the more female pilots are in the flight deck, the more normal it becomes. As a career, I couldn't praise it enough, I wouldn't want to do anything else now I've got to this point um, and there's so much information out there available, there's initiatives like this going on with EasyJet, it's exciting. At the Air Cadets, an airline pilot said to me, I'll give you one piece of advice, he's like, just never give up. If you want to do it, then do it. I thought they summed up slightly better than I could, so... <laughs> um, that was a very nice day. It was a real honour to be part of that day as well. And obviously, um, we've now got a new ambitious target, which is 20% by 2020. So how are we going to achieve that and how are we going to reach out to do that? Well, what we're doing is we're actually doing something which um, is quite unusual, I believe. I could be wrong here, but obviously um, this is the first time EasyJet have actually talked about what we're actually doing internally. And that's very important, I think. You can't change this from a, just a PR perspective. It's bigger than just one person. Um, we've got a lot of departments working on this project. We've got the PR department, marketing department. We've got our recruitment department. We've also got our flight ops and our own pilots working on this. And what we do is we bring them in. We call them Women in Aviation Days. Um, we've run three so far, and we're bearing in mind it's in, around our flying schedule. We take about 15 pilots off the line um, and out of the flying schedule, 
and we actually bring them in for a, effectively a training stroke familiarisation day. And what we actually do is we provide them with the history and the details and what we're trying to achieve. And it's actually really important because those pilots then go out and not only do some of the things like going into schools and being role models, but they also talk to their colleagues. We sit on the flight deck and we can actually, they talk to their colleagues and they talk to their colleagues and the message gets through that way. Um, pilots notoriously difficult when it comes to, we don't have internet access while we're flying, so the best way to get it is by word of mouth, actually. Um, we ask our pilots to get involved with um, different organisations to then go into schools and we provide training in that on that particular day. We also ensure that the media, um, our own internal media and our external media, are, have a broad thinking um, approach in terms of making sure that we equally represent the genders amongst our um, flytops team, and that includes cabin crew. So we actually have a very high percentage of a male cabin crew as well. And obviously we want to ensure that we only, don't only have female cabin crew and the male pilot, but we have a female pilot and a male cabin crew. And it's just simple things like that, that actually the business looked at and just went, do you know what, we're going to change that, we're going to do that. So it's been a very positive message internally. And then we also work with our training providers. Uh, an airline wouldn't be an airline without its training providers, and uh, they're the, the big uh, training organisations that I'm all sure you're all familiar with. And we work with them um, quite closely, and obviously the, the, these messages, they come to our Women in Aviation Days, they get feedback from our pilots, and they actually find out what's going on and what we're doing in this area. So longer term... <clears throat> So we're working um, with, we ask our pilots to go into schools, we ask them to go to careers events, we ask them to come and do talks like this to let people know what we're doing. And we work very closely with BWPA, who thankfully are here this evening, um, well represented. And we also deal, uh, we also uh, work with Aviatrix, who, uh, that was set up by Conchana Gamage, she has spoken here before as well. But she was a head teacher who identified that in schools, um, the aviation theme was not being represented very well to, um, to, to girls or, in fact, some areas in schools which weren't being represented to boys either. Um, so it has a joint impact. By looking at one group, you're actually benefiting all groups who may not have considered this as a career. So we also work with STEM, um, science, technology, engineering, and maths. Um, obviously, those subjects come quite highly in our, in our everyday role and inspire the future and also Aerozone, which is by Manchester Airport Group. Um, these organisations have been absolutely key to helping us go into schools in a responsible manner and making sure that we do everything correctly. Um, we're also looking at how we can provide younger children with guidance on GCSE um, choices and obviously we need to tie together the fact that what choices do they need to make for if they want to go into a flying career. Now these choices are probably very similar to any other career. So in fact what you're doing is not just helping them to look at flying but you're helping them try and raise their aspirations. The other thing that's come out of this is, in fact, teachers. They know very little about our career. And obviously, the Amy Johnson Flying Initiative has got the attention for women, but has also got the attention of teachers who are now going, well, can we promote this to our, our young female students, which is fantastic. 
So I went to a school yesterday and we had a long chat about it. I also did speed um, networking for the children, but actually I did a lot of speed networking with the teachers and it was a very positive experience. And one thing that's come back from that is the fact that they're up against this a situation at the moment with parents. So we're not just dealing with teachers, we're also dealing with parents and their perception of that you have to go to university to guarantee your future. Well, I would say to you that it's quite expensive to go to university, so make sure you make your choices wisely. And actually, being a pilot, if you sit down and do the maths, you do not need to go to university to be a pilot. Um, you do need to be an excellent candidate, and there are other ways to do that. But actually, you might be £200,000 better off if you didn't go to university and became a pilot. And that, those statistics are taken, admittedly, from me sitting down and working out training costs versus career progression over 10 years. So um, if you want those figures, come and talk to me afterwards, and I'll happily work it out for you. <laughs> so we're up against the fact that children also determine what's gender appropriate in terms of their roles for their careers. Does anyone happen to know what age? I'm sure you've all seen that wonderful video um, that was put together by Inspire the Future. Well, you'll be quite surprised or maybe shocked, I don't know, to hear that between the ages of five and seven, children have already made up their mind what's appropriate for a woman to do and what's appropriate for a man. So that's what we're dealing with here. And obviously, we don't, we recognise that we're looking at the future, this is a long-term programme, and therefore we can go in to really young children, and it's great. I've had my children have come and the, their parents from nursery have said, do you know, my son came home the other day and he said something hilarious. He said, you were a pilot and you came in and spoke to us about it. And I said, I am a pilot and I did come in. She went, I am so sorry. And that was from a scientist. So you see, and she said, I'm so sorry. I hadn't thought about it. And that's, a lot of it is about not thinking about it. It's not deliberate. So here's a picture Children are very engaged. They love aeroplanes, especially when we talk about our aeroplane we call the carrot. For some reason, that goes down very well. We've got one aeroplane that we painted orange, and um, we all call it the carrot, and the kids love it. So, as you can see. <laughs> so, what's next? Well, I think we need to have an industry approach, actually. This is something that's bigger. We're, we're hopefully trying to show everyone what we're trying to do, uh, and for the future, but I think that the industry needs to, we all need to get together on this, actually, to change public perception and to change perceptions. We need to provide more role models so that we can perhaps dispel the stereotype that actually it's a masculine environment. Um, and also we need to look at more initiatives to attract all pilots. That's pilots from all backgrounds and all genders. Um, and we also need to look at research. There's very little research that's been done. And I come back, I think I mentioned before, that 3% figure. That is what we're dealing with at the moment, but I would question that. I think you mentioned already that 8% that of your FOs are FOs, or 8% of your pilots are FOs. Well, I think we need to have some research done as to actually what are the current stats. We've been living with these statistics for a long time, and at the moment it looks like 13% of the global pilot captain population resides with EasyJet, and I find that quite amazing, you know, that... Uh, out of the 450 captains, that um, you know, half of them are with Easy, or sorry, 10, 13% are with EasyJet, and I'm sure you'd question that. So we do need to get with more research. There's some great research that came out in April, which um, is extremely interesting. So there's lots of research that's starting to happen, and because we've launched this initiative, people are coming to us, and we're doing our own research. 
So I think my role for the future would be, I would love to see that one day this role becomes gender neutral. I don't want people to say, oh my gosh, you're a woman doing a man's job. I, I don't want that. I think it's a fabulous career. It's got loads of potential. And I think we should allow people to search those opportunities. And then at the end of the day, maybe in 20 years time, or when I look at retirement, we can look back and say it's now gender neutral. So thank you very much.